Good morning. Welcome here. We appreciate that you have come to join in worship, to worship together with us. Today, Pastor Dean is continuing part two, the purpose of sharing the gospel. And as a call to worship, let me read John 17, verse six. Jesus prays for his disciples. So that's John 17, verse six. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. When I first read this, I was struck by the words where Jesus says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me. So then I you know, ask myself, who have I been given? Who am I to re reveal Jesus to? Jesus was able to say, I have revealed you to them, and I hope that I, I am able to do as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you for sharing, for sharing with us how to share to those around us. We saw you share with the disciples. We heard the story of the woman at the well and of Zacchaeus. Father, help us to prepare ourselves. Help us to give and, and, and share boldly. You have been at work in our lives, Father, and help us to share of your love and faithfulness to those around us. I pray all of this in your name, amen. Good morning. Please stand with us if you are able, and we'll start with number 554, I Will Sing of My Redeemer.
You may be seated, and we'll continue with Jesus Messiah. That should be in your bulletin. Oh, 
We have sung this one before, What Love My God. It might be a little unfamiliar, but just sing along as you're able.
Quartet. Last year, I was supposed to come up here and tell about my ministry. And you sang a song by City of Light, and I couldn't talk properly after that because it's such an impacting song, and you did that again to me. I'll see if I can trip through this. I've been invited to speak to you about the ministry that our family works on. So we send you greetings from Gospel Equipment Ministries. Our family started this ministry a few years ago to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with inmates across Canada. Sorry, I gotta settle down. We do that by sending the good and evil comic book action Bible to Canadian prisoners. The book is about 350 pages long, but it's not the whole Bible. It goes through creation, the exodus, some of the prophets, Jesus, his death and resurrection, and the early church. In the end, it lays it all out and makes it clear what will happen with each of us, whether we turn to the Lord or not. So it's a comic book. People who struggle to read are better able to understand the Bible through this comic book format, and you know a lot of people in prison don't read as well. We have a lot of demand for these books. We buy pallets of books when we have enough money to do so. Here's a load of two pallets we bought last year. And you know, a big thank you to you guys here at Brickteller. You're letting us store pallets of books here before they're mailed out, and then we don't have to bring them home and back to town for mailing. We can just come here and put on the mailing labels and take them straight over to the post office and send them out. What you see here is a pile of what's half about, it's about the last half of a pallet, which was a set of two pallets we bought back in three months ago, mid-December. So we've sent out a lot more than this just in the last few months. We've made contact with just under half of the 160 facilities in Canada. We currently send out cases of books to 12 of those facilities on a regular basis. So the chaplains at the facilities get these books and then they distribute them to prisoners. And we get a lot of great feedback from chaplains in the prisons. A, prison, uh, a chaplain in Manitoba said, next to the Bible, this is the most important ministry tool we have. And a chaplain in Ontario says we have a lot of, or we, sorry, we have a list of residents who are eagerly awaiting a copy of this Bible. They will be so happy. Our vision is to get these comic books into the hands of inmates, and we think it'd be great to get to the point of being able to send out a pallet of books every month. That's 1,100 copies a month. Right now we're able to send out two to three pallets per year, and that doesn't meet current demand. And demand isn't all what we make it either. We had a chaplain, a head chaplain, of one of the biggest provinces in Ontario who got a copy of this, and he looked through it and he said, this will work. I'm gonna tell all my chaplains. And for the next month, we had these guys calling us and saying, hey, can you send us out one copy that we can look at it? Can you send out, start sending out cases? And um, so we're doing that. And you know, I have a tendency then to feel pressure that, oh boy, now all these guys want this stuff, I've gotta meet demand. But I realize I can only do what I can do. And if I have books, I'll send them. And if I run out, then we just have to wait until I can get some more and then we'll send some more. So I've put that pressure on the Lord. 
Another goal we have is to be able to send these books to prisoners in the Canadian military prison system. They have their own prison system separate from the federal and provincial facilities, and uh, those guys need the gospel too. And in all this, I'm also here to ask you if you could please help us with our ministry work. Our first and biggest need is for prayer. We need the Lord to guide us and to open doors for us to be able to send these to prisons so that men and women and youth can hear and read and understand God's word and his message of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Our next biggest need is for financial support. Frequently, we stop contacting new prisons because we run out of books. And when that happens, we stop regular shipments as well because when you're out, you're out. So what we're looking for is people to commit to giving financially on a regular basis, which would be monthly or otherwise. It costs about $10 to put one of these in the hands of a prisoner. That includes buying the big pallet, getting it over here, and paying for the postage to send it to a prison facility. Then there are a few other admin costs, but not much. Plus, we also sell these books and use the profits for their ministry. So if you buy a book, we can then use the profits from that to send out two more books into the prisons. So your purchase of one book actually buys three books. And grandkids love them. Um, we're thinking they could be put in waiting rooms in various places around town, and so on. As the ministry grows, Lord willing, we will need additional help with administrative work of contacting prisons and mailing out the cases of books. Plus, in busy farming seasons in the spring and fall, it uh, makes it difficult to keep up with the ministry work, so seasonal help would be much appreciated. One province we look forward to sending books is Quebec. We have several cases of good and evil in French, and we need someone who is fluent in French to be able to contact, to, sorry, to help us contact these French-speaking chaplains out there. And I wanted to close with a thank you so much for the encouragement and support that we already get from you. Last spring, we held a sausage and progy fundraiser supper. We will have another this year. It will be on April 28th, and it's dine-in here at the church. So we invite you to join us. We will give a ministry report at that supper as well. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. So will you please join us in prayer and financially? If you have any questions, please contact us. We'd, we'd love to meet with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I had no idea. Thank you for the work that you do. Today is a busy morning for this church and, and our, our community here. Uh, I'll invite Eileen to come up, and she'll tell us about part of it. And uh, while she's coming up, I uh, just want to note that Pastor Victor is speaking at the Bueller uh, Center this morning, and, but he'll be back in time for the Sunday School. And Pastor Dean will be speaking and sharing at Cedar Estates. Right, He'll just leave right after church, and that's where he's going, and he'll be serving there. So, Eileen.
Good morning. I, uh, I trust that uh, most of you have seen the bulletin for the past couple of weeks uh, that has the announcement regarding our um, nominations for our exec as well as for our personnel committee. Um, those um, were for uh, Terry Clausen and Dennis Dirksen and Jack Fraze for church council. And we still have found nobody for um, the personnel committee. So if you have uh, any interest in that at all, you're welcome to come and see one of us uh, or nominate somebody. At our February membership meeting, both Dennis and Terry were nominated and both were not ready to commit themselves at that time. And I trust that this has been a matter of prayer for all of us. Um, since then, Jack Frace has also agreed to let his name stand. And after the service today, we will be having the vote. We will all get a, nom uh, a ballot sheet and it has all the names on there. Um, Terry has agreed to a two-year term, uh, Dennis for one, and as well as for Jack for one year. The ballots all have the names on them with a yes or a no beside them, so you can vote uh, whichever one you want. And also, just to remind you that this is also just for members of our Birth Teller Church only, and um, the nominations committee will be the scrutineers. I'll do some more explanation later. Thank you. Next Sunday, we are uh, celebrating um, in the fellowship hall. Our service will start at 10. You have this insert, so uh, please uh, uh, attend and um, just uh, know that it's at 10 a.m. instead of 9.30, and we Hope to gather as a church community and celebrate our Easter and have a brunch after. So take note of some of the other things that are that are happening this week, and join some of the some of the activities as you're able. Our missionaries uh, for this week are Don and Shara Epp, and let's remember them in prayer and Pemina Valley Bible Camp. Pray for their staff as they prepare as they prepare for fundraising banquets here now in April, but also as they prepare for the summer. And um, there's um, some items in uh, life in our church there, um, still looking for a custodian. Uh, and if any of you um, would like to join us and become members, um, please, see, please see Pastor Dean and Pastor Victor. We encourage you to do so. We have. Mary Duick and John Suderman in the Swan Lake Hospital, and uh, let's uh, remember to pray for them and uh, to give and that they will get uh, God's peace in the time of this, uh, in this time. Yeah, they're waiting for placement in a long-term care facility. In your bulletins, there's a little, a few, uh, three or four of these, and uh, take note of them, uh, write some notes of encouragement to, to someone that you uh, might see that, uh, that, that needs a little encouragement and also maybe a thank you to some that have been working diligently in the various areas in our church. 
and either give it to them personally or put it into their box in the, in the foyer. Everybody needs a little pat and a little encouragement every once in a while. So just a reminder, Easter brunch next week. And um, let's take this moment in this time now to pray and ask God's hand over all the things that are happening in our church and in our community. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be at work in the work that you are doing in not only this our church community, but also in our community around us, in our neighborhood. Father, we, we are give, we've been given the privilege to be your ambassador. And Father, we, we um, just ask for your leading and your guiding as we're able to do that. And Father, we want to hold up Don and Sharep this morning. Um, they have a special work in the, in the Philippines. And uh, Father, you know what they need. And Father, we ask uh, that you will also make us aware of what they may need so that we can partner and walk with them. Father, um, we hold up Pemina Valley Bible Camp, you know, a, a very important summer activity, a camp that supports our youth and our, our young people and helps them grow and helps them become uh, children of God. And uh, Father, give discernment and energy and to, the, to the staff. Give them a joy to serve. Father, I just ask that you um, put your arms around uh, the Mary Duick, Mary Duick and John Suderman and their families. Um, walk with them. Help them to um, feel your nearness uh, in, a, in a special way as they, as they wait. Uh, for placement in, 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 long, in long-term care facilities. Uh, there comes a time when we need help, when we need the support of others directly. And Father, we just thank you for those facilities. And we ask that you walk with them. Father, as we celebrate Easter in the coming weeks, uh, help us to, to just experience in a new way you know, what, what, what happened um, on Good Friday, and then how we can rejoice as to what happened as you rose. Father, walk with us here this, this morning. Um, multiply the gifts that are about to be uh, given in your name. I pray in you. Amen. Ask the ushers to come forward. Please join us as we sing, You Are My Wholeness. It's in your bulletin on page 7.
I need to straight away make an apology. My um, larger print printout is in the ESV uh, translation, and so I'm sorry it won't match the words that you see on the screen. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12, to chapter 3, verse 6. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to, uh, to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance of life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. The sun is shining, beautiful weather, and we know that things are even going to be warming up even more as time goes along. Yesterday morning, yesterday morning, we had men's prayer breakfast here at the church. Ron Burley was our guest speaker, and he challenged and encouraged us in the Word and on how we can live closer to the Lord. While he was speaking, he told us this story. He said he knew a believer, an individual in B.C. who would move to communities and different communities to share the gospel. One of these places had 52 families in. What he would go and do is he would go out and take a map and scout out the areas. He would draw each house on the map. And after he did that, he would begin praying for the families that were in those homes. Then he would start visiting those families. And within one year's time, he had led each of those families to the Lord except one family. There he went back and he started to talk with this individual. This individual told him, he says, I hated you when you came to our community because all of my drinking buddies' lives changed and now I have no more friends. And it wasn't long before 
he heard the gospel too and made a decision to follow Christ. That's the exciting news, that when people hear the gospel, they turn their lives over to the Lord. If we're going to share the gospel, our minds must be focused on Christ and on sharing the gospel with others. When Jesus saw Peter and Andrew in their boat fishing, he said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus did not say, Come, follow me, because you're talented and I can use you. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not say, Come and follow me and make something of yourself. Jesus did not come and say, Follow me and others will make something of you. Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. It is about grace. It is all about grace. It is about grace as we share the gospel. It is about grace who people, who, of, of those who come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. This morning, in part two of the purpose of sharing the gospel, we will examine another fall of uh, another two principles in the first part of the message that I spoke um, last week. But first, let me brief let me briefly recap last week's first principle. The purpose of sharing the gospel is number one to rescue the perishing. It is to rescue the perishing. I think about the song that was sung here earlier. You know, it's interesting in one of the songs, I'll just look it up here. It says, He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing, love so amazing. Jesus, Messiah, name above all name, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus, Messiah, Lord of all. Just think of that. The rescue from sinner, the, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven. That's who Jesus was. He came to rescue the perishing. He came to rescue you and I. And as he has rescued you and I, we have no right to hold it back but to ourselves. To rescue the perishing. Titus was a co-worker of Paul. Paul had sent him to Corinth to present the first letter to the Corinthian church. And then they were to meet at Troas. But Titus did not show up. So although, although a door opened at Troas to share the gospel, Paul had no peace of mind. There was something that he was deeply concerned about. He was concerned about two things, his brother that could not come at this time that he was expecting, and secondly, how the church was doing at Corinth. However, Paul did not let this discourage him. He kept on going. He was a person that always looked to God for his strength. Instead, he points out how God always leaves how, how God always leads the followers of Christ in a triumph of procession. 
He borrows the imagery, as I said before, from the Roman army general who returns from Rome in victory. And there is a parade that takes place. And this Roman general leads the captives through the street and everybody is celebrating. In the same way, when Jesus Christ comes and he wins people to himself from the outer darkness, he leads us all in a parade of victory because we are his trophies that he has won. And he is our our Savior and our Lord. What a beautiful picture it is of Jesus rescuing those from the power of darkness. So we can see from the first purpose of sharing the gospel is to rescue the perishing, rescue those who are lost. The second purpose of sharing the gospel, number two, is to display what happens when God's law is written on human hearts. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. The second purpose of sharing the gospel is to display what happens when God's law is written on human hearts, when his law is in our hearts. In verse 1, he says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendations to you or from you? You yourselves are our letters written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. Paul begins chapter 3 by talking about the letters of recommendations. Letters of recommendations. It It was common for those traveling or those who were engaged in business practices who moved from communities that they would go to places with letters of recommendations because people would not know them. And there, the letter of recommendation would say, so-and-so is worthy to stay at your home. So-and-so is worthy to present their business or their sales things, what they are selling. And the person would then give a reference and say, this guy, this fellow is qualified. Paul then tells the Corinthians, they themselves are the letters of recommendations to them. In other words, how their lives have been transformed becomes a letter to themselves of what Christ has done and the power of the gospel. The reason is that the Corinthians' lives were changed by the gospel and that that Paul and his companions had preached. This is a beautiful illustration of what the Christian life ought to be like. People should be able to see the gospel we preach and see that it is genuine because of how it has changed our lives here in the church and how it has changed others. When I lived in Edmonton, I worked for a renovating company called Renaissance. Wherever the salesmen's made, whenever a salesman made a deal, they needed 50% down. How do you convince somebody that they will take 50% of what the work is to be done, they will take that money and they'll start to work because there's so many shady people, they can take the money and then they just run off with it. This is what the salesperson would do. He would talk with an individual, and then he would give reference, names and addresses of people where this individual could go, see the work, and not only see the work, but talk with the people who had the work done. 
And as soon as the people could see this, then they put their trust in the company and they said, okay, we believe you. And then they could give 50% down. Now Paul takes them a step further. Oh, pardon me, I should just say, you know, what this salesman did, it was even better than a reference letter because he took them to the places where the work was done and he could talk and though they could talk to the people themselves. Now Paul takes them a step further in what he says in verse 3. You show that you are letters from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Here, Paul contrasts the Old Covenant with New Covenant, and it's being contrasted how the Old Testament, how the New Testament were different. The Old Covenant was the law God gave Moses to hand down to the people. Exodus 24, verse 12 says this. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments I have written for their instructions. Exodus 32 verse 15 says, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of testimony in his hand. They were inscribed on both sides from the back and the front. The old covenant was written in stone. It was so legal. It was so rigid. You had to follow it. God had to give the people something because if he didn't, they would destroy themselves. And at the same time, they could not keep the covenant and they ended up having to pay with their own lives. If they committed adultery, they had to be stoned. If they mocked God and they worshipped idols, they were taken out and stoned. There was no mercy. And this was the law that they had to, and the law could not change them. The law could not change them. It, did, it gave them no strength. It was only a mirror to show that they were failing, and they were failing badly. The old covenant was written on stone. However, the children of Israel could not follow it because they had no power to live the Christian life. God makes them a wonderful promise in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 through 20. <clears throat> he says, Ezekiel says this, speaking on behalf of God, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their hearts of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. And then the Lord then repeats the promise in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from your heart of stone, I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh the miracle that God was going to do for people 
And it was coming. It was coming. Once more, listen to what Paul says to the Corinthians in verse 3 as he writes to them about the fulfillment of the promise. He says this, You show that you are letters from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. I want to emphasize that. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The note in the ESV study Bible puts it so not nicely. It says this, The changed lives of the Corinthians give a clear message from Christ, that they are a letter from Christ, testifying to Paul's true apostleship as the one who brought the gospel to them. And it testified about the power of the gospel and transformed lives that would take place for anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul did not write on their hearts with ink or a tablet of st- or on a tablet of stone instead Paul wrote on their hearts with the spirit of the living God when he gave them the message when he gave them the message and now it is the new message that Christ can live in your heart and he can transform you from the inside out so we can see through the purpose of sharing the gospel Number one, the purpose of the sharing the gospel is to rescue the perishing. Second is to display what happens when God's law is written on human hearts. And number three, to rest, or pardon me, the purpose of sharing the gospel is to make us competent ministers of God. And it does not mean just pastors or people who maybe hold a position. It is for everyone who makes a decision for Christ. The purpose of sharing the gospel is to make us competent ministers of God, verses 4 through 6. When I was in my 20s, I decided I was going to take a week of training. I had already completed three um, years of Bible college, planning to go back for some further education also, Um, before going in the ministry, but I decided that I was going to go and sell insurance. And so we had a family gathering. And at the family gathering, one individual came to me, an older fellow. He is about my age, about right now. And um, he said to me, so he said, what are you going to be doing? I said, I think I'm going to go try selling some uh, insurance. And um, then I said, I already registered for our course and I'm ready to go. It'll take a whole week for me and then I will take the first step. He, and this is what he said. He gave me some words of wisdom. He said, after you take this training, you will believe in insurance because if you do not, if you are not a believer, you will not be able to sell it. And I have discovered that's so true that if you do not believe in something, you can not sell it. If you do not believe in something, sometimes you can hardly give it away, even, <laughs> or let alone sell it. In one sense, in one sense, that is true with the gospel. 
do we really believe in the power of God and in the power of the gospel? Do we really believe that people are going to hell if they don't hear the gospel? Do we really believe it? Are we walking with the Lord in a close relationship that we are ready to give a reason for the hope within us? Are we really walking with the Lord, praying each day, asking God to lead and direct us? Can people sense the presence of the Lord with you and with me? Is there something different, different about us because we know Christ? I was talking with Ron Burley after the prayer breakfast yesterday, and he told me this story. In the late fall of last year, Ron and his wife decided that they were going to go to St. Vital Mall in Winnipeg and do some shopping. His wife put on this tweet summer coat. It was about minus 20 outside. And he said to her, he says, I don't think that's a good coat for you to wear. And she said to him, I just have this sense that I'm supposed to wear this today. And he said, okay. And he says, of course, you jump into a warm car and you just get out by the, by the mall and you can quickly jump in and you can hardly notice it's minus 20 out there. So that's what um, they did. They quickly got in the vehicles, drove to the mall. He let his wife out. She got out, walked into the, the mall. And as soon as she walked into the mall, this lady came up to her, touched her coat and said, where did you get this tweet coat from? Where did you get this tweet coat from? And she said, some time ago, I picked it up in Vancouver. This lady then said to her, and they started a conversation, she said, you must be a Christian. And she said, yes, I am. And then she says, I need a Bible. Can you get me a Bible? And she said, yes, I will get you the Bible. Soon Ron came and joined them and found out this woman did own a, hope, a home in the poor part of Winnipeg. And her home had needed renovations and all types of things. And they had gone over to visit with her. And when Ron saw this, he said, I will come back in the spring and I will help you. And now his two sons are going to go and help him restore some of this house and help her along. But now this is an opportunity to share the gospel. It is building the bridge. And we don't know what will come. All that we're called to do is to look up, look for people who we can minister to, and take the opportunity to do this, and now they are waiting to see what will happen in the next step that is around the corner to come. God has given us people to share the gospel with, to make contact with, and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5, it says this, Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. He's talking about the confidence that he has, the confidence, and it comes through Christ. Confident in what? Confident in who Jesus Christ is. Confident that he came to give his life. Confident that he can rescue sinners from hell. Confident that Jesus is all-powerful. And then he says, not that we are 
competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. What is competence? To be able to do what you claim you can do, and that's what Paul could do in the power and the go- of the gospel. He could proclaim Christ, and Christ had equipped him. The things that give credibility to anyone sharing the gospel with others if they, is if they have experienced the change themselves. How can we tell about the, the gospel to others if we haven't experienced a life-transforming change? If you read the book of Acts, which is an excellent book to read, listen to the way that Paul shared the gospel with everyone. You will find that Paul, when he spoke to the kings, when he spoke to the governors, when he spoke to the religious leaders, and when he spoke to the common people, many times he always started with his personal testimony and how he found Jesus Christ, or rather, how God found him. And it's amazing what he did as he stood before Felix one day. He was sharing about the gospel, and Felix said to him, he says, your education has driven you wild, Paul. You want me to become a Christian in such short a time. I can't do that. And Paul said, no, it's not that at all. This is simply I'm giving you truth, truth that I'm passing on to you. Paul firmly believed in the gospel power because it changed his life. He was highly educated and lived a life of great respect. But when he came to the end and coming close to his death, he said this, I count everything but rubbish. I count everything but rubbish except for Christ and that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes on the basis of faith, a righteousness that comes from Christ. Paul realized that all his pursuing after the best, which he did, he became a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was the top of his class, and now everything what he had found in this world was useless, and it was nothing. And when he found Christ, he counted everything but loss. It's all loss except for knowing Christ as his personal Savior. The same thing happened to the Samaritan woman at the well when she found the living water. She quickly ran into town and told others, and the men came out from the town, and she said to them, I have found the man who told me all about myself. And the scripture says they came out, and when they heard Christ speak, they put their faith, or many put their faith in him Their lives were transformed because of a woman who found Christ and didn't know how to share the gospel other than to say, come and meet the man who changed my life. Can we do the same? Can we do the same? Can we say to people, come meet the person, Jesus Christ, who changed my life? When Peter called When Jesus called Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were were fishers of men, and Jesus spoke their language, the trade language, 
And he said to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. I talked with Ron um, one more time last night, Ron Burley. And this is what he told me. I want to pass it on to you because he knew I was speaking on being a fisher of men and what it is to be a fisher of men. He says, I want to give you six characteristics of a fisher of men. First of all, it's a fisher man who's fishing fish, fishing for fish. He says this, number one, to be a successful fisherman, you have to rise early in the morning. Parallel, we get up early in the morning and we are sharing we're, 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 we're commuting with the Lord. We're asking him to prepare our days. We're asking him already to bring somebody into our lives that we can share the gospel, someone we can build. If we're not doing that, God doesn't answer our prayers. He's not going to answer if we never pray and ask him. Number two, go to the places where there are fish. If we don't go to the places where there are fish, chances are we're not going to catch any fish. He told me another story. He said, we, and I can't remember the place where he went. He says, we went to a place and we were fishing and we didn't know that it was a saltwater place. As we went out fishing and we were in the boat and we were fishing, there were men on the side of the shore and they were laughing at us because there were no fish in the place where they were fishing. Do we go fishing in places where there's no fish? Do, are we going to fill our church if we don't go fishing where there's no fish? Number three, put on the right lure. We're trying to catch a fish. What is the lure we're going to use? Are we going? Jesus caught fish, and he went to the fishermen, and he spoke their language, and he said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they knew all about fishing. And when Jesus talked to the tax collectors, he went and he ministered to them. And he spoke their language. Wherever Jesus went, he went where you could say the fish were. Number two, or the next one, is we need to wash our hands before we put on the lures. Believe it or not, the fish can sense humanness on our hands. And if we put it on with dirty hands... The fish don't bite. And that represents us. We have to be praying and confessing to God our sins all the time. We got to be pure before the Lord. Number six, or pardon me, the next, we must stay out of the sight of the fish. Ron said, it's good to stand behind a rock where the fish can't see you if you're fishing close to the shore. Because when they see you, you will scare them away. We need to stand out of the sight of the fish, and we need to let God stand in our place and be depending upon him. And last and most important, guess what happens when we catch a fish? There is excitement and there is joy. There is excitement and there is joy. My question is for you and for me, how many fish have we caught? How many people have we prayed for and they came to know the Lord? How many people have 
we had the opportunity or tried to share the gospel with them. And maybe perhaps they rejected the gospel, but that's okay. We, thought we did our part. And how many times have we shared the gospel with somebody and they made a decision and we rejoiced and we rejoiced because God used us to communicate to another person the love of Jesus. Are we fishers of men? Are we fishers of men? I close with one more story from Ron's life. He used to live in Calgary many years ago. He got up in the morning and he was praying that God was going to lead him into someone's path who he was going to share the gospel with. He says, I knew right away that I was going to be able to share the gospel. He says, I walked into Canadian Tire and he said, I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, point out the person and I'm going to go and share the gospel with this person. I'm going to go and build a bridge. He walked down a few aisles and didn't see anyone. And as he walked down this one aisle, he saw a man who was an elderly man. And this man was standing at the end and he had a hubcap in his hand. He was looking at paint and he was trying to match certain paint to this hubcap. Ron came up to him and began to speak with him, asked him how his day was going. And this man began to break down and cry right away. He said, I just lost my wife a while ago. We had planned that we were going to go camping. We have a camper on the back of the half ton. And we were going to go camping. This is one of the hubcaps. And I was getting this ready so we could go camping. And now it will never happen. Ron began to talk with him and converse with him and share with him. And he made an appointment to go and see him. And over the next period of months, he made many trips to his home and he shared the gospel. He said he did not make a decision for Christ. As far as he knew, he's praying that he did because he had passed away then later. But the point was this, God had brought him to share the gospel and he needed to share the gospel. Even if the person doesn't make a decision for Christ, and we gotta remember this, God has given us this blessed gift of sharing with others, and not everybody will make a decision, or we just might plant the seed, and they will come to faith in Christ somewhere down the road. But are we doing our part? Are we telling other people about Christ? That is the most important, and my passion is this, that you and I will be communicators of the gospel to others. We will share with others, because without them, the destiny is hell for all eternity. Will you be praying that God will make you and I ambassadors for Christ? Let's stand together and we'll sing number 593, I Love to Tell the Story.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that that would be our song, that we love to tell the story for those who have not heard it yet. Lord, it is our longing and our desire, and nothing would thrill our hearts more than us being able to go out with your power and to share of your love. I pray, Father, that you would equip each one of us, and Lord, that we would be praying in the mornings, Lord, that you would open up doors for us and that we would have opportunity, and we realize it will be natural because we'll be sharing from our hearts what you have done for us and how you transformed our lives and how the people we speak to, how they also can have lives that have been transformed. I pray, Father, now that you would go with us into a new week, that you'd give us strength, and as we rise each day, that we would meet you in prayer and in the word, and we would draw near to you, and you have promised you will draw near to us. I pray now, Lord, go with us and give us your strength as we go. And Numbers chapter 6 Moses says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. And you may be seated.